Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. Welcome to episode 15 of the Retro Disney World Podcast. This month is titled Veggie, Veggie, Fruit, Fruit. And with that, we'll be taking you back to the days of the Kitchen Cabaret in the Land Pavilion at Epcot Center. Uh, but before we get to that, as always, I want to welcome uh, the, the crew to the show this month. Uh, Hal Bowers, how are you tonight, Hal? Cha-cha-cha. Yeah, we'll look at that in the beginning, not even the end. <laughs> uh, Mr. Brian P. Miles. Happy New Year from the city of brotherly love. Yeah, Brian, you were the star of last month's show, the Christmas episode. Well, thank you. I was yeah. the Christmas star. The Christmas star. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, from Ohio is JT Couser. How are you doing tonight, JT? Good. How's it going? Good, good. You were down there. Uh, you were down in Florida this month, right? Yes, marathon weekend. Did the dopey around. challenge? Well, I didn't. The oh, you just you're did. a, spect- a spectator. <laughs> that I'll tell you, just it's not retro, but that was the toughest time ever to navigate that place because every road's closed and it was a challenge. But it was cool, definitely neat. <laughs> Actually, Todd, you're the only one of us who was not at the on Disney property in Florida. Oh, was last month or so? Yeah. That's true. That's true. How, how I was there and I were there. That was a uh, wonderful night. Yep. Yeah, we uh, to explain that, dangling, <laughs> uh, we, we did a private fireworks cruise for a group of us. Uh, New Year's Eve Eve on the 30th, they run the Fantasy in the Sky New Year's fireworks two nights, not just New Year's Eve, but also on the 30th, kind of a test run. And uh, so at uh, 11 p.m. or so, we got a private uh, run around Bay Lake and Seven Seas Lagoon. Our captain took us right on up to Discovery Island and up to River Country and shined the big floodlights onto some of the old decaying docks and some of the the, the stuff inside River Country. So we That's got this very cool. It was really cool. That's really cool. And then uh, we anchored uh, between the Polynesian and the contem- or Polynesian and the Grand Floridian. And they shot off their perimeter fireworks. Uh, so we not only got to see them being shot off behind the Magic Kingdom, but right from the island in front of us, uh, former former home of the Wave Machine, uh, they uh, they fire off some of the fireworks from there too. So we actually got to see the the the, the pyrotechnic crew uh, going onto the island, which was kind of cool on a on a rubber raft. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really neat. And you mentioned the Wave Machine for our listeners. Sit tight. We're gonna catch a wave in March. Oh, I I can't wait on that. Yeah, big big excitement coming out. So, before we jump forward a little bit too much, though, um, we had some corrections and comments uh, from last month. Uh, last month, how you had um, something about uh, salty hinder, salty hinder, right? Oh yeah. So so last month, uh, this whole Captain Salty, whatever his name is, was a whole new thing to me. So, uh, and we should preface it that we we did cut out all. The episode was running long, so we did cut out a discussion of what 
Captain Salty. So long, long story, long story short, uh, John Hench was approached during uh, during the design phase of the Living Seas Pavilion, and Figment and Dreamfinder went over so well over at Imagination that United Technology said, "I need that uh, for us too because that's so cool." So just he sort of like uh, angrily drew this picture of this strange seafaring guy and a mackerel and came up with this character named Salt, uh, Captain Salty Hinder, which rhymes with the dream finder. And then he would have this <laughs> little walk love. around. Yeah. So you could tell he, he really hated this whole thing. <laughs> so Captain Salty Hinder and his, his like little friend mackerel, who was going to be a puppet, much like the figment puppet. And he just, he scrawled a couple of these things on the side of a, on the side of a, uh, of a piece of paper and wrote, here we go again. Cause he was just so disgusted by the, by the entire idea. So, uh, so, so, but I, I was calling him captain salty hinder cause I didn't get the hint <laughs> that it, it was a butt joke. So that's perhaps John Hench's one butt joke that we know about. <laughs> there we go. Now they didn't come up with like for wonders of life. There was never the, the health minder, right? <laughs> no, or, <laughs> no other, <laughs> Wonders of energy has, winder. I, yeah. it, that energy seems winder. To have an interesting, uh, an interesting story of how that came around too. So we'll we will have to dive into that one day yeah. as well. So it's a new year. We're gonna do things in a little bit of a, a different order here. Uh, normally we'd um, jump into the main topic, but uh, we're gonna try something different here, where we're gonna go right with the listener mail here. So JT, you ran out to the mailbag. It's uh, I hope you put your coat on. It's a little cold, but uh, freezing here. Yes, yeah, um, wind's whipping. What do you got? Well, and was that the last episode we brought up Howard Keel, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And I think Hal was stumped yeah. on who Howard Keel it's was. Like, who is Howard Keel? <laughs> well, we got some, some I don't want to say connection to that, but um, a pretty good email here. Um, basically, it sounds like in the 50s, Disney set up with Howard Keel to do a movie adaption of The Big Fisherman. You ever hear of that? I never have. Anyways, um, Walt wasn't a fan of the idea, but anyways, uh, they, they made it, and I guess it was overshadowed by Ben-Hur. Nevertheless, though, the point of this is Disney distributed this film uh, into the 70s. They showed it on, on during Easter, apparently, and that was where um, our email here thinks maybe that's where the connection was to Howard Keel, and maybe that's why he ended up in the parks at that time, like kind of a cross-promotional thing so interesting yeah and yeah i can't tell this name matthias i don't know what matthias, is that yeah. matthias smith that's the the person who sent that so thank you matthias for thank the info you very much yep. yeah. thanks for writing in excellent so how now you are now you know who keel is finally yeah. Woo. Now, mystery solved that's right yeah <laughs> if you have any other info you want to fill in the gaps for us comments questions concerns podcast at retrodisneyworld.com is how you reach us that would give us a shout out we'd love to hear from you so okay so we're gonna again keeping with changing things up here we're gonna go into our audio rewind puzzler right here uh, the retro rewind so um last month was purpose purposely a hint to this month's coming episode and um Let's take a listen real quick uh, to last month's puzzle. All right, well, if you guessed the music from Kitchen Cabaret in the ham and eggs portion of the show, which we're going to talk about, you got the correct answer. And this month's winner 
is April Adams. Congratulations, April. Yay. You'll be... Hey, next nice yeah. So, April, congratulations. We'll be sending you uh, one of the Main Street USA posters uh, drawn by Chris Buckle. So, we'll be in touch with you to get that to you. Um, did you, any of you guys get the... Get, I, how I know you, you, you had it at oh, the second you I, heard it. I can it. hear that in my sleep. Yeah. I purposely <laughs> cut out the audio and made it repeat so that people would uh, have to think about it. So... I know JT, you didn't get it, but no clue. Yeah, that's I all right. Well, well, and I, me, I start getting the emailed answers before because if you remember, we, <laughs> we right. put out the finished show very quickly last time. Right, it was a quick, quick, and edit. and I did, you know, the quality control copy I got didn't have any of that dropped in yet. So. That's right. Right. So yeah, I well. heard it, but I, you know, so I started getting all these emails with the answer before I ever heard the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you live in the future. That's right. It's, I do future world. Yeah, he gets yeah. everything. Ah, oh, jealous. So, well, again, congratulations, April. So we have another one for this month, as always. So uh, let's take a listen. Okay, so if you think you know the answer to this month's audio rewind, send your entries to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. A random winner will be drawn from all correct entries and will receive this month's prize. Guys, what do we have to give away this month? Well, this uh, month, this month we've got uh, a collectible that has come from D23, ooh. the Disney fan club organization. Uh, in both 2012 and 2014, uh, I attended their anniversary events. They do these, so far they've done them every other year, and they travel around the country and uh, do about an hour, hour and a half long presentation about various anniversaries of, of things that occurred both for the company and in the parks. Uh, for an example, when we were around a couple years ago, it was uh, Mary Poppins' anniversary. Uh, so it was 2014, so it was the, what was that, 40th anniversary, 50th anniversary of Mary Poppins, right? Right. 50th, yeah. yeah. So uh, they had the actual Julie Andrews hat, one of the hats from Mary Poppins that we all got to go see. We couldn't touch it, but you could get your picture taken next to it and uh, told stories about the production and things like that. Anyway, uh, this month's prize are the commemorative pennants that they handed out to the individuals who attended those. So there was a limited number of them. I have both the 2012 and 2014 pennants and the correct uh, answerer uh, who is drawn from all entries this month will receive both the 2012 Whoa. 2014 yeah, look at 23 fan anniversary pennants. Cool. Nice. Nice prize. Nice prize. So if you think you know the answer to this month's audio rewind, send those entries to podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. Please submit your entries on or before February 15th, 2016. Now, all entries will be entered into the big prize drawing that will be coming out in December 2016. As you know, last month we gave away the big prize was a replica Paul Hartley map. And um, fantastic prize. And this year we're doing something different where every month on the podcast we're going to add to the prize pot. Now, last month, how you added uh, the first item to go into the pot was an orange bird item, right? Yes, it's an orange bird yo-yo. Orange bird yo-yo. A professional model. Professional. Orange bird yo-yo. Duncan. Wow. <laughs> it's not. It's not a Duncan, but I'm, it's another brand which I'm sure is as as least as good as, if not better. All right. How you're adding the second prize again? So next month, we're, one of us is going to have to add it. But what, what are you adding this month? I'm going to add a vintage uh, World of Motion souvenir guidebook. Oh. So, nice. so when you went to World of Motion and you went through the motions and rode the ride and you got to the end and you went through Trans Center. 
on your way out, there was a big stand with uh, brochures in it, and those brochures were these uh, these souvenir guidebooks, and they have great pictures of World of Motion inside and some information about the current vehicles. Like uh, you could you could find out Skylar? about the the, uh, the the Riviera Coupe Ooh. or the Century Limited Edition. Does that have the streamlined uh, car on the front? I forget the name of it. Oh, the Aero 2000. Aero 2000. Yeah, right on the front there. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. All right. So that's how they rolled. That's right. (laughs) So the prize pack so far is the Orange Bird Yo-Yo and the World of Motion brochure. So JT, jot all this down. We're going to. We got to keep I will this have prize a running pot. list. Yeah, for running list. Twelve gonna, months. It's going to grow every every month. It's going to get bigger and bigger. So, all right. It's it's going to culminate. It's like the twelve days of Christmas, right? Oh, At the a... end of it, we're going to have the, you know, you're going to get everything. It's everything in the whole prize pack. This isn't twelve winners. This is something one person gets it all. One person. That's going to be a sweet box in December. Is that going to go before Christmas? Do we think? Ooh, or I don't know. May, maybe we can throw in overnight shipping at the end or two days. Mm-hmm. Priority mail. Yeah. Priority, priority, mail. priority sure. mail. We'll get it there. It'll get there. <laughs> or we'll just hand deliver it to your house. If we live near you. You do that yeah. too. So, yeah. <clears throat> and this is working the same way as the Paul Hartley map. Any entry counts towards the prize pot. That's like right. if you answer a wrong answer right. on the audio Take rewind, it doesn't matter. Doesn't Still matter. get an entry. Take a guess. Okay. Limit just, one per month per that's person. That's right. Sure. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time to move on to the main topic, which, as the title of this month's episode is Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit. Uh, And as promised, we're taking you to the Kitchen Cabaret, which was at the Land Pavilion and Epcot Center for a number of years. How has been busy digging through archives and doing research. And and, um, I fondly remember going to this attraction. I enjoyed it. As do I. Yeah, multiple times. It It was a really, really innovative uh, it was a great way to teach health to people, and this was bef- this all predated the um, uh, the wonders of life. So there was a little bit of health consciousness added in there in the land. Uh, it was a perfect fit, and it was eventually turned into food rocks, and is now essentially part of the waiting area for Soren. Um, and there's rumors, oh, really, it's some right of it down there. Yeah, that's where it was. It was down oh, when you okay. go into Soaring, That was part of where the uh, pre-show was, and part of the theater. So I don't recall exactly how it is but there's some diagrams out there but um how i think we're going to turn back the clocks before a little bit before it was even open and talk a little bit about what we got and um talk about the show and the fantastic score fantastic lyrics yeah take, there's take all... it away oh there's so much to talk about the curtain yeah, a, even the, the curtain really and the sign <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh so kitchen Capper, as as you said uh nestle was signed up, i'm sorry um craft was craft was signed as in a sponsor um, there were many, many early uh, ideas for the land pavilion, as as we talked about in some of the prior episodes. There were these crystalline structures with different, uh, different like bio uh, biodomes or like biodomes, different, yeah, yeah, uh, and the hot air balloon ride, right, and the hot air balloon right. ride, and all the stuff that Tony Baxter worked on, and that got sort of canned because uh, it was just way too ambitious. And I think uh, I think Kraft had a certain amount of money that they wanted to spend. I think it was. Uh, $30 million and then Disney was willing to put up $30 million. So whatever they built, it had to be $60 million. Yeah. And originally the sponsor was going to be, uh, someone more focused on agribusness or something it, like that before it, was, it moved to food. Yeah. It was like a lumber company. Yeah. Something like that. And so, uh, so, uh, so at some point then it, it shifted over to craft. So they knew they needed to tell more of a food story. 
but they they wanted to keep the the rest of the stuff that some of the stuff that they talk about. So so the idea of like the biodomes, um, but they obviously had to shift that a little bit to mo- to be more about food production. And I guess sometime we'll have to talk about the rest of the that pavilion, like living with the land and symbiosis and that stuff oh, absolutely. too. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I I had never really realized before was that uh, Rolly Crump was actually in charge of the land pavilion. Uh, oh. It doesn't. There are some parts of of it that kind of scream Rolly, like the uh, the original designs that were on the balloons that went up and down in the center, yeah. like looked very Rolly. But the rest of it is is not. And and yes, one folks, of the ex- those balloons used to go up and down. Yes, <laughs> yes. And when they did go up and down at the right angle, they formed Mickey's head if he stood at the right spot. Did you know? I know that. I did not know that. Yeah, if you stood on the left or the right hand side, kind of at a corner to each side, you know. When the balloons had hit a certain angle, when you're standing at a certain angle and they were at a certain elevation, they formed perfect Mickey hat. And then they would fight Voltron. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they all come together as a giant Mickey. And now they are, are ceased to move. So Yeah. But uh, one of the reasons that it doesn't necessarily look like it's a, a Rolly Crump thing is because he had other people working with him on it. And... Uh, and he was actually quite happy to to get teams together and just have them go off and do their thing and come back to him. But he he actually wanted to be a little bit hands-off and let the team just kind of run with it and see what they would do, which is a little different from some of the other folks that were a little bit more, oh, I don't know, a little more ego-driven and a little more bit more like, this is my vision and this is the only thing. You know, like, it's got to be my thing. So Rolly was different. He was like, okay, go go make something cool and come back and show it to me. So uh, three Imagineers, who were relatively young at the time, were put in charge of Kitchen Cabaret. Uh, Jeff Burke, Scott Hennessy, and Steve Kirk. So Jeff Burke started as a figure finisher. He worked on the Country Bear Jamboree in America Sings, which kind of makes sense why he was put on another sort of like musical audio animatronic show. Um, he had done those things and he was looking to try to get some design work under his belt. So he managed to get assigned to the project. And oddly enough, he has another connection to Epcot. So while he was working in the model shop, he was selected to be the union brother in the two brothers sequence of the American adventure. Yes. And Uh, they put him in a costume and took his picture and then eventually made an audio animatronic version of him. So, (laughs) so when you see the American adventure, he's the brother that survived, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. He's the non dead brother. Yes. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's Jeff Burke. Um, on the, um, on the show writing side was a guy named Scott Hennessy. Um, so he wrote the script and also the lyrics to the show. He also wrote the script for Body Wars uh, and a, another couple of attractions. And Buddy Baker wrote the music. So um, that's uh, that's two. And then Buddy Baker's kind of like the extra. But I, I do want to take a second and say just what a magnificent job Buddy Baker did with the scoring. Oh, yes. There are, fantastic. There's like eight or nine different styles of music going on. And this guy was just an amazing workhorse for Disney. I mean, you could say like, okay, make me one of these things, you know, go, I need a Zigfield Follies number. I need a, you know, (laughs) he did everything from like Herbie and like a whole bunch of, uh, a bunch of, uh, of other attractions at Disney, like, uh, the magic carpet around the world. And like, you could, basically ask him to do something and he would be able to turn around and and do the style perfectly and i believe he wrote his own arrangements too so it's like what a talent just what a massive talent um 
The character designs were done by a guy named Steve Kirk. So he was an illustrator and sculptor. He started as a show designer, and he was actually the guy that did the design for the Abominable Snowman in the Matterhorn. That was his first project with Disney. Um, he also did one of the that original concept of Dreamfinder and Figment when it was supposed to be in Fantasyland. So if, when you've seen that like weird sort of bulbous looking one with the green dragon that eventually became Dreamfinder and Figment, uh, that was him. Um, and he also designed the Dreamcatcher vehicle uh, inside of Journey into Imagination. So now with with the design, how um, what we're going to get into a little bit more of the characters. Um, and as we're going to talk about their anthropomorphic, but I'm wondering the, the whole show really reminded me. I'm wondering if he, if they drew any design concepts, if you remember back on Sesame street, there was a, a skit called here is your life, which was a takeoff on this is your life. And they had corn that would talk the bread. They would have toothbrushes with eyes and toothpaste. And I'm just, it's very, very similar style. And, uh, just curious to, uh, it would be a great question if we could find out if, if any of that was, uh, yeah, there was Corny the Corn and, and the bread and all these. Well, what's, what is kind of interesting is, uh, so when they got the assignment to do that attraction, they had no preconceived notions about what it would look like. They mm. actually brainstormed for a long time. Okay, we're in Epcot. It's very futuristic. Should this be in space? Right, right. Uh, you know, what's what's the location? And what they finally kind of arrived was, uh, they looked at some different time periods and they felt like the Art Deco time period and that style was very futuristic, uh, very modern for that time period. So they thought that that would actually make a nice fit with Epcot. So it was as futuristic as it could be mm-hmm. at that point. Um, Kraft Foods also had a, a really long history of sponsoring uh, music programs. They actually had a radio show uh, that ran from, uh, gosh, I'm trying to see, uh, oh, they had a show called the craft music hall that ran on radio from 1923 to 1949. And then on television from 1959 to 1971. So the designers felt like doing a musical thing would be perfect for craft. So that's why I ended up as a musical show rather than like something else. Um, but they, they may have seen that. And actually there is another interesting story around that. You talk about the character design. So, yeah. Uh, so Raleigh just kind of let them go do their thing and he would kind of check up on them and give them a little guidance. Well, apparently it got to the point where they were building models for it. And John Hench came into the model shop and took a look at the models and had a fit because he felt that they did not look Disney enough. Huh. He, just went off on he started screaming and yelling and Rolly basically said look okay remember this little movie that we made called whistle toot punk and plunk and boom that didn't look anything <laughs> like a disney movie and won an oscar yeah it was totally fabulous and yeah and apparently, and apparently that pissed off john hench so much that he like turned around and left and never came back again, <laughs> again to like look at the show oh yeah so so there was a little controversy about the design, but if you think, I, I cannot think of anything more Disney than a bunch of anim, anamorphic like, oh, yeah. vegetables with eyes. Oh, like, what about that is not Disney at all? I think the only one that maybe I could I could see is is the host, Bonnie Appetit. Yeah. She did have a very different look that was, 
I don't even know what category to put her in because she there was really no other character that I can recall that was similar to her. Yeah, I mean, she was humanoid, humanoid, but, but cartoonish character. Yeah, yeah exactly. characteristic. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, one of the very cool things I think about the design was that uh, this to me those characters really looked like they fit in that sort of nineteen thirties nineteen forties world. You know, they were kind of designed retro to fit that feel. And, and, uh, if you look even, at the, even the props though, you know, yeah, when they're oh, singing on the radio, the, the, the microphone's got the, the, you know, the, the, the call sign around it and he's holding right. on to it. Just, yeah. Exude it, that. Yeah. The design of the overall thing is perfect. Like e- the colors, it's like, everything is actually like right in period, right in style. And, uh, if, if you have not seen pictures of this, try, try to find some stills because the, the set design is, was just wonderful. Um, there's like a huge stove on one side, there's cupboards, a refrigerator, baskets of fruit that it would later turn around and start singing. It was really, really exceptionally well done. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff was so well hidden that you didn't know when things were going to happen as we're going to talk about as we go through the show. Yeah. 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 It was, it, it did a really good job doing reveals, uh, as, as each new act came on. So as you mentioned, the premise of the show was to educate guests about good nutrition, and at the time, uh, the way that we talked about nutrition was is was totally different than the way we talk about it today. So today we're very accustomed to this idea of the food pyramid and low carbs and all these different types of things. And but back then, uh, from 1956 to 1992, the way that the USDA uh, talked about nutrition was the four basic food groups. So this what are they, Brian? Come on, here's a quiz time, guys. What are they? Why are you asking me? <laughs> Grains. Like mouthful, too. Grains. Pro- proteins. Yeah. Proteins. Fruits, sugar, vegetables. Candy cane, candy <laughs> corn. Candy corn, candy corn <laughs> and maple syrup, right? <laughs> we elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Um, <laughs> you're missing an important one, JT. So you've got your grains. Yeah, fruits, fruits and vegetables. Greens, fruits and vegetables. You're vegetables. missing one, important one. Dairy. Dairy. There, there we, we go. There's there we a go. food group. So, uh, so, so the premise was built around trying to educate people about the concept of the four basic food groups, and then also the idea of eating things in moderation. The, so, you in the lyrics, you hear balance and things used a lot because they're they're trying to get that across. And and Kraft felt very good about that message, and they they were really doing a service uh, to everybody. Uh, by having that message out there. So, so you go into the land pavilion, you head down the stairs, uh, or the escalator. And, uh, as I said, it, it's kind of where Soren is now. So you would walk in the front door and there were, uh, there were kind of two rooms that you would go through before you got into the show itself. So in the first room, uh, it was just kind of walls, uh, very simple, but they had custom made posters on the walls for the different acts that were going to be uh, in the show that you saw. Very and, similar to uh, Muppet Vision. Yeah. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing was the the posters themselves were like a little bit more abstract. They weren't actually like drawn renderings. Right, of right. Like for Ham and Eggs, it was actually like this very interesting perspective, like stovetop with like an actual like sliced, like cooking ham and, and cooking eggs on it. So, uh it was uh, all done in that in that period style, in that that Art Deco style, and they they were really really gorgeous posters. And I don't then know there was any pictures that exist of the pre-show. I I I don't even, can't even find any video of it. I don't recall what it looked like. Well, as a matter of fact, oh, how you're gonna take us? So, 
I, before the show closed, I went in and I took pictures uh, of the, uh, of all of the pre-show rooms and all of the posters and everything from top to bottom. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to get those out and get them scanned. So hopefully by the time the, that uh, you're hearing this, it's like this is already on the Retro Disney website and, uh, and you can see all this stuff. We owe you one, how? Because I uh, at the time we knew that uh, the ride was going to close and we had a closing date, so I was actually able to go for a good two three weeks before it was shut down and and went on the last day uh, and took uh, videotapes from about seven or eight different angles where I just held it in one position and uh, so I have a, a huge amount of stuff to. Uh, he's going to create his own Circle Vision three hundred and sixty attraction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Retro three hundred and sixty, and I also did uh, digital audio recordings of the two pre-show, the music in the two pre-show rooms of the show itself, with uh, spread stereo mics, and then also the exit uh, hallway, which basically played like a karaoke version of the entire show. So all of that is going to be available to everyone. So after you got done with the uh, with the first pre-show room, which was rarely fi- rarely filled, maybe on the very busiest day. Uh, you wouldn't be able to walk through this room, but it was basically build where if you had an exceedingly busy day and the, uh, the waiting area in front of the doors to get into the theater were filled, it's like they could hold you, uh, in this room, there was sort of a, uh, a portal, uh, in the wall with a digital counter. Um, and they could put a rope across that on a stanchion if they needed to keep it separated. So you walk through that room then you go to the second room and the second waiting room was done like a nighttime outdoor scene. And it was really, really, again, really exceptionally well done. There were like little tiny scaled uh, buildings. So like, let's say the walls were 15 feet tall. Uh, there were different uh, sort of like these sort of extruded front uh, different businesses. Like there was a palm reader and a diner and a fruit stand uh, along the back sides. And uh, I remember there was this, this one little spot that looked like a sort of like a tunnel. Uh, like a bridge tunnel in the wall and you could look to the side of that and see like a car parked down the street like waiting like a big fancy Paracero or some kind of car like the front of it sticking out uh, and then on the this the side where you uh, wait there was uh, an exterior of a theater kind of like uh, what you see inside today at the uh, great movie ride when you're going to get into there uh, which is what a typical theater from that era looked like if, if you grew up in the 70s you might have had a movie theater or a theater still around in your uh, in your town that that still looked like this uh and then to the left of the like four doors there was a stage door that uh that a fake door that said stage door uh with like two or three steps up and that's where the cast member would stand to do the intro uh spotlight would come on they would give the intro before you went into the show um, but it was a really cool atmosphere. Again, it was very cute, you know, very charming, uh, you know, very high quality. Awesome. So uh, so then when it was time to go in, you would uh, walk into the, the main theater and get a seat. Ladies and gentlemen, Kraft proudly presents a show that has the whole town cooking. The Kitchen Cabaret. Uh, it was quite large. How many um, did it see total? That's a good qu- couple hundred at least. Yeah. I would say. 
Um, it was ooh, 10, 10, 11, 12 rows, maybe. Okay. 20, 20, 25 across, perhaps. Uh, sizable. You know, at, at the time, these, these Ep- at the time, uh, at the beginning of, of Epcot's life in 82 or 83, it's like the, f- the theater would be packed. Right. Oh, yeah. I remember going in. You'd have to wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, on that last day, I probably sat through the show four or five, six times on the last day. And there were a couple wow. of them where I was literally the only person, only person. in the theater. <laughs> so in, in today's era, there would be a group of 50 people sitting through every show the final day, tweeting and Facebook statusing each showing, you know, next to last show, here's what's going on. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very, uh, it was, times were different then. Back then it was just how. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just me and my recorders. <laughs> Um, uh, but the, the stage was quite large. Uh, there was a large, um, uh, brother, there was a curtain across it that's, that had the craft logo on it. Uh, and then later on, the craft, silvery blue too. Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. Sparkly. The logo is sparkly yep. later on when craft got, uh, bought out and merged with general foods. It got changed to say, you know, craft general foods. Uh, and then for the brief period of time when Nestle ran it, um, because it, it did survive at least for a few months after Nestle bought it out and they hadn't had time to change to Food Rocks yet, there was a Nestle logo up there. Um, and you could see like uh, up at the top, there was a lot of neon. There were like two giant uh, coffee pots, like percolators up on the top with the logo uh, in neon. It was, again, you walk in and it's like, it's very charming. It's like you, you could tell already you were in for something special. So, um, so the curtains would part and you would be introduced to your hostess who is named Bonnie Appetit. Here's your hostess, Bonnie Appetit. And, uh, she appears, uh, to try to describe the theater to you. So, uh, the show is very much in line with like Country Bear Jamboree, uh, where there was a main stage and there were several areas on the stage where characters could appear and disappear. And then there were also two... I don't know what's, is there a technical term like a proscenium, not some sort of like side theater. Yeah. I don't know what the, the term is, but it was, it was cause they would have what a couple scenes in there that would rotate and, and change yeah. out. Yeah. So and I think like, only go, Bonnie appeared in, on those, right? That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So like in the country bear jamboree where Henry would be on the side in a separate area, there were two of those on either side of the stage and then the stage itself. Uh, so she would appear, she uh, starts off singing a song called The Mealtime Blues, which is a, it's a blues number. Oh dear, it's time for another meal. Yes, there are days when I feel downcast and get the mealtime blues. If I don't plan a proper meal, my menu will be bad news. All the mealtime blues can get you. Every time you die, we all can beat that rat and end up feeling fine. So on those days when we feel uh, and it just sort of sets up the premise of uh, there are. <laughs> I could probably sing it for you easier than I can describe it. Um, just basically uh, trying to get people the idea of uh, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what to cook, it's like she's going to give you some suggestions. And then that leads off into the main show. The show is prepared. Let me serve it on up. 
And uh, the first act that comes up are the kitchen crackpots. Okay, crackpots, let's get cooking! Uh, which are uh, salsa, playing piano. Uh, and there was, I've seen a lot of debate online about who this guy was, but I, I have actual confirmation that he was supposed to be salsa. There was a, a, a mustard bottle, a squeeze bottle, who was playing a straw saxophone, uh, a Parmesan cheese can. Uh, which looked just like the craft Parmesan yeah. cheese oh, can, absolutely. too. Yeah, this okay. is the green can you all grew up with. Except and, with uh, eyes and nose and a mouth. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And even the mustard looked kind of like the crab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mustard guy. So he had a measure, like a banjo made from measuring cup. And then there was barbecue sauce that was playing a whisk like a electric bass. And don't forget, and, folks, the craft products were also what is uh, sold in, in the restaurant upstairs. So when you were served, I remember being served craft barbecue sauce when, when we were up there. What was it called back then? The, the, the Good Turn. The Good, the good turn. turn restaurant. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. changed. Yeah. So uh, this area, this was the conceit to craft. So the rest of the show is all fruits and vegetables and breads and cereals, not craft products. But they actually, in this thing, by doing condiments, they actually managed to work in uh, the actual craft products and get them in front of people. And uh, we uh, we got a, uh, a tweet earlier that someone asked about uh, an earlier, they showed an earlier version uh, of the show, some, some sketches at, uh, at Epcot 30, where Bonnie had a sort of a counterpart so it was this, the secondary character that they had brainstormed using called Juicy Lucy, who uh, who would have, uh, instead of having actual fruit, uh, she would have been sort of a Carmen Miranda exotic type. And uh, she would have risen up and the fruit would have been on her head. Um, she was tossed uh, to the side uh, as a, something they didn't want to go for. In that original concept, they had Bonnie on the stage, uh, center stage, rather than off to the side, at least for part of it. So I think what they did is they decided to move her off, uh, got rid of her, moved Bonnie to the side, and then they were able to bring in the condiments and, and put them dead center. So that's how that's how they kind of arrived at that. So uh, so these guys were called the Kitchen Crackpots. Uh, their animation was pretty simple. It's like the mustard would spin. Uh, some of them would have back and forth music. The, the piano player, uh, uh, his hands would move, but his eyes and his mouth were fixed. But they were very appealing. Uh, very appealing characters. Um, they do a, and they were only on the you know these these little segments that House talking about are really quick, so you didn't need you know really really in depth stuff. And the focus of that song was Bonnie actually singing, so they yeah. were kind of like complimentary to her. She was still the focus at on that song, right? Yeah, she the, she was literally doing an intro to the show uh, with that song, and uh, she had a costume change too. Don't forget. Yes, yes, she goes from a. From she starts out as a sort of I guess would be a typical housewife outfit blouse polka dot yeah her uh, hair is not done yeah <laughs> yeah she's kind of like leaning on these like giant cookbooks which are <laughs> which she's built around how left that one detail about Juicy Lucy's uh, being ejected from the attraction uh, they 
put a wedding ring on the finger of Bonnie Appetit because it was a family attraction. Yeah. They went, oh. oh, interesting. <laughs> That's Quit. one of the things they decided to do when it went from two women to one. We were, they, they decided to make her a, a, a homemaker. Late 70s, early They didn't want Laverne yeah. and Shirley, I guess. That's they right. were They, were, they oh. wanted you to get you know Mrs. Cunningham, not, uh, <laughs> not Laverne and Shirley. That's actually an interesting, that's an interesting observation. Not to mention so, that the name is terrible. <laughs> it's really not a good name. Well, apparently it's also the name of some kind of hamburger, which you can yeah. order at Disney. It really? Like in some, in several mean, restaurants. Because the Juicy Lucy is a it's a hamburger from Minnesota that that is stuffed with cheese. Yeah. There oh. I was doing some research and I found it on the re- on the menu of several Disney restaurants. Mm-hmm. In case you want to chase a hamburger that right now. Yeah. Actually yeah. that sounds good. Go for a Juicy yeah. Lucy right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Do one of these from a place where they serve hamburgers. <laughs> we should we should do a hamburger. Well, we're going to talk this about this right now. <laughs> Oh, and I kept calling it a ragtime number. It was actually, it's a Dixieland number. Dixieland. It's really a Dixieland jazz number, so yeah, not so much okay. ragtime. So so that's the opening number with the Kitchen, kitchen Crackpots. Uh, she sort of sings a an overview. Literally, she sings an overview of, of all the different things that she's going to talk about. Oh, and one of the things I did not get to mention is uh, uh, it's one of the few attractions, <laughs> talking about uh, B- uh, Buddy Baker again. He, uh, he actually wrote... A uh, an overture uh, that you hear as you're walking into the theater to sit down uh, and getting seated that that uses all of the songs uh, so you uh, that you will hear later on so as a true overture like when you would go sit down and see like the sound of music in the theater and you got that little flavor or if you go see a Broadway show today and you hear a little snippet of all of the songs before you watch it. So you're kind of familiar with them. He, he actually did that again, just absolutely out of the park. Brilliant. Um, so that's the first song. So after so after the kitchen crackbots go off, uh, the next people that we meet are the the stars of the Milky Way, uh, which represents the dairy group. started with a real chilling act. Say hello to my friends, Mr. Dairy Goods and his stars of the Milky Way. It's time to meet some beauties at this our rendezvous. We all come from the dairy with moving words for you. And this is a Ziegfeld Follies kind of number. Um, the Ziegfeld Follies was a stage show, which uh, also ended up as a movie. And and one of the things that it was very famous for uh, were its lovely ladies. So they they took this concept and turned each each one of the uh, the the things that they focus on in the milk group into sort of a female. <laughs> it sounds so weird to describe it. Yes, <laughs> into embodiments of uh, so you have Miss Cheese. Uh, Miss Yogurt and Miss Ice Cream and they are introduced by a crooner named Dairy Goods uh, who sings into a uh, one of those large circular microphones uh, at like a radio show and uh, it says K-O-W as the call letters for the station in front of that um, so he, he proceeds to do a song about uh, the three ladies and goes in order and tells you a little bit about them uh, and it's it's actually it's one of, it's always been one of my favorite things. He's he's got that very typical old style singer. Now you have met my beauties. I think you will agree 
Get the eyebrows going. And oh the, yeah, yeah. The animation on this guy was—he's uh, unbelievable because they used a, a almost like a soft foam covering, so he he didn't act like a stiff milk carton. He yeah, bended and moved, and it was all fabric. Yeah, his his body was fabric, and then he had his mouth would open and close. He had uh, very expressive eyes and eyebrows, especially. He would do great. Uh, this one great take when uh, when the uh, sort of the Eartha Kit. Uh, ice cream character would say and i've got a double scoop for you he would do this reaction where he would kind of make his eyes go really big like <gasps> like he was shocked <laughs> and the audience would always crack up every time he did that uh miss cheese was was kind of a, a jaja gabor uh type i'm sorry no strike that i'm totally wrong miss cheese was a may west right. style character and then uh miss yogurt was uh, French, uh, sort of a coquette. And then uh, Miss Ice Cream, to me, I've seen people say Pearl Bailey, which I don't get. To me, she was she's Eartha Kitt. She's Eartha Kitt as ice cream. I know it's a little out of era, but uh, it's really the only thing that makes sense to me. And these these were pretty big, too. I think they're about three feet to four feet tall. I mean, they're pretty pretty sizable animatronics, too. Oh, I'd say they're, in order to be, I, I would guess Maybe they're probably larger. closer to six foot tall. Yeah. I, in order yeah. to be seen, you know, that distance, uh, e- even when they do humans, like when Abe Lincoln in in, uh, in Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, he's actually larger than life size because he would seem very tiny on, it, on the stage. There's some pictures in circulation of them, like, the Imagineers working on the characters and they're, yeah. they're three, four feet three, tall. Four feet tall. Yeah. They're very tall. Yeah. There's actually a picture of Mr. Mr. Milk or whatever his name is. So he's been, yeah, he looks about four or five somewhere in there. He's yeah, quite dilapidated now. Yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's an early picture of them, I think working on the stove, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And yeah, it was about, it was huge. Oh, the, so, yeah, the, yeah, the stove, stove is massive. Enormous. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that's dairy goods. They go through the dairy. And then next is the breads and cereals group. And now, direct from the silos of the Midwest, the Cereal Sisters. We'd like to sing about a brand who has really come far. He started with some dough and then he rose to be a star. He is hot when he leads the bread and cereal group. An oven right trooper, he can never be duped. It's known that he's no clown. A boogie woogie bank we bore the bread with a sound. Is a song called uh, The Boogie Woogie Bakery Boy, which is based on The Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company C. There yeah. we go. So it's it's a straight up Andrew Sisters song. And uh, they actually so it's a bucket of oats, a uh, a box of um, a box of rice. And uh, another box of corn, and these characters actually have names. It's Rennie Rice, <laughs> Connie Corn, and Mersey Dotes. So that's that's where they came from. And then uh, the other character in there is the uh, is a piece of bread that plays trumpet, who uh, is referred to later on in the song as the toast of the town because when he starts out, he's just a piece of bread. 
and then at some point he uh, moves from from his current location above the girls in a cupboard, and there's a large toaster sitting on the counter, and then he actually turns into toast and pops out of the toaster, uh, and that's his like big finish. And Bonnie Appetit says she wants to jam with him. Yeah, she wants to have a jam session. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention, by the way, the Bonnie Appetit animatronic. I mean, it does not look like any other no person animatronic you've ever seen i mean it, it's 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 so interesting and uh it, it's almost like a what would you say like a like almost like a like 50s advertising art or yeah, something yeah, like that yeah. mm-hmm. like like she she does not they did not try to make her look like abe lincoln or john f kennedy or any you know any of those types of animatronics that we're used to seeing so I, that that really stands out when you watch the the footage of the attraction now she has very very large eyes yeah, <clears throat> like a very large head, very large eyes. That's probably yeah. the only signature Disney thing about her. Yeah, <laughs> oddly enough, now there's a couple of weird stories. I'll go on aside for a minute. There's a couple of, of interesting stories about her. So supposedly, uh, you know how uh, all animatronics have like an A mode when they're turned on, and then like a B mode where mm-hmm. if the power should get cut, they kind of like collapse on themselves. Yeah. So that way, uh, you know, you don't hurt anybody. Apparently, in her B mode, her hands would kind of head down towards her crotch area, (laughs) which I think offended some people. Uh, But that's just kind of how that figure went. Uh, But one of the one of the weird things was I went on a innovations in action tour uh, probably about five or six years ago. And as part of that uh, tour all around property, you get to go to central shops. And they actually have a Bonnie Appetit figure set up in central shops with uh, hydraulics and pneumatics on it. And you can control her a little bit. It's done as like a little demo thing. Uh, she's, her costume is pretty much stripped off. A lot of her skin is gone. You can see her internals working. Uh, but one of the figures at least ended up there. Uh, and if you take that tour, you might still be able to see you know, the, the rotting corpse of Bonnie Appetit still. All right. So breads and cereals. Uh, they do the joke. And then they're interrupted by uh, by a vaudeville act, Mr. Ham and Mr. Eggs. I think I'll get together with the toast of the town for a jam session. Hold it! Hold the dialogue! I'll do the funny stuff! Yeah, mind your manners, son. Don't forget, we're a team. Sorry, fellas. Well, here they are. A real hot act to have come to us from a successful tour of the breakfast circuit. Those breakfast buddies, ham and eggs. Home, home on the range, in the pan with the butter. That song, the one we rehearsed. Who is, uh, was the subject of our, of our audio rewind. Yeah, let's let them introduce themselves. Yeah. (laughs) As members of the meat group, we would like to sing this song. And cook you up some ditties as we're singing right along. At meals, our act is very keen. We're chocolate of protein. The, the meat group can help you keep strong. Now we'll really beef up this act. Uh, speaking of meat, let's tell them what happened down at the chicken coop, eh? So as I said, this is this is uh, supposed to be very typical of a vaudeville act. You know, the the comedic group. Uh, Mr. Ham is sort of like the 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 fat one, and then Mr. Eggs is sort of the tall, skinny one. Sort of your Laurel and Hardy. It's like that very typical comedy team, you know, physical setup at the time. Uh, and they tell jokes back and forth. And they also have a have a device in the theater which you've seen the Country Bear Jamboree, and if you remember the old old um, Golden Horseshoe and Diamond Horseshoe Review, uh, they have the the gag setup where there's a projector. 
that's actually putting up slides behind them as they do the routine. So much like the three sunbonnets where they have the illustrations playing behind them as they sing the song, it's like they would also have illustrations in here and uh, they would uh, t- tell some jokes and then tell some stories uh, to try to, to try to get the, uh, the idea of protein through. So uh, the first one is probably the most memorable one. A hungry fox boldly walking through a hen house door. Too bad for him. He met a hen who stood at six foot four. He won't forget the licking. He got from that big chicken. Now he gets his poultry from the store. <laughs> and they have pictures that go along with these things. So there's two gags like that. And they have another one about a fish who uh, who cuts class, doesn't go to school, and then he ends up getting caught uh, and then cooked. One more joke like that and we'll get the hook. Hook? Say, that reminds me. What about the fish story? A school of fish grew tired of a bragging big mouth bass. Why get straight A's? He used to say and so he would cut class. Oh, he should have stayed in school. Oh, I made him a fool. Now there's a test he did not pass. And they go over some of the other like great sources of protein, like beans and cheese, because they get into a little fight and then... Ham says that he could work with other protein acts just as easily as Mr. Eggs. Uh, and But they come up on this. Uh, the great thing about this section is there's a giant stove, uh, as Todd was talking about, off to the right with pans on them. And the two characters rise up uh, out of the pans and they have smoke that's billowing out of it uh, as they do their entrance and exit. Red yeah, fire red, underneath yeah. the like electric stove. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really well the done. The dials on there. Yeah. Did, yeah. did Eggs remind you of that guy from the there was that 80s 70s and 80s PSA <clears throat> where this egg type guy with a top hat with very skinny legs would run around and talking about good nutrition and the, making popsicles. The guy that made yeah, it with wagon what, wheels, the time cheese for color. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look a lot like him, don't, don't they? That is, uh, yeah. I will, yeah. A little earlier than eggs, but. Uh, yeah. When my get up and go has got up and went, I hanker for a hunk of cheese. When I'm dancing, I hold down and my boots kind of slow down. Or any time I'm weak in the knees. I hanker for a hunk of, a slab or slice a chunk of. A snicker is a winner and yet won't spoil my dinner. I hanker for a hunk of cheese. Yahoo! After ham and eggs retreat back into the stove, uh, comes what's probably the highlight of the show. Everybody's favorite. Episode. For I mean, literally, it's like I would talk to cousins who had come to Epcot with or without us two three four five years later they would talk about veggie veggie fruit fruit and it, at least at it be able to sing the chorus veggie fruit fruit veggie veggie fruit fruit veggie fruit fruit veggie veggie fruit i simply have to tell you that my friends who are singing are delectable meals are divine as long as it was so memorable it was done so well because the music would start so softly and yeah, there was almost the lights they yep. slowly rise out it, it would start out. like an arthur lyman like yeah. Hawaiian sunset type of start and then it moves into like it's like a samba or something isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh and you there's like the sound of crickets yep that kind of comes up as the music comes. it's very atmospheric it's Again, Buddy Baker, so, so well done. And, and just the whole setting of that, like, whole crop of vegetables that comes out, centered by the broccoli. Yep. Yeah. Just singing to you. 
Uh, it's just, it, it's fantastic. So, so uh, now, compared to some of these other things where you've not seen these characters during the course of the show and they just kind of pop up, uh, there has been a bowl of fruit and a colander filled with vegetables that have been sitting out the entire time. And as the song starts, these two things rotate and then you see that they have faces and they're actually animated. The vegetables are all dressed kind of like, uh, I guess, sort of like Xavier Kujit uh, and the sort of the Latin bands where they've got the big uh, floofy uh, arm things. Puffy shirts. Yeah, the big puffy, <laughs> the big puffy shirts with the puff. And it, the only way I could describe it is you'd have to go back and, and look at what uh, what bands wore, Latin bands wore in these times. Um, like he, the one guy is playing like a huge marimba made out of carrots. Uh, and, uh, so, and then the broccoli, yeah, Brock, the broccoli guy is playing the carrot marimba. He has on a pair of glasses that look kind of like the 3d glasses from captain EO, oddly enough. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. So I don't know what the connection there was. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, when he would say cha cha cha, the glasses would actually flip up and reveal his eyes just for a moment, which is like this one little cute part of the entire thing. <laughs> and then the fruit was in a basket, uh, over in the side, uh, and they, they basically do this Latin number, veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit, and talk about fruits and vegetables. And uh, as they get to the last uh, the last part of the song, Bonnie Appetit comes out of the ceiling uh, on a half moon, uh, sort of dressed in a Carmen Miranda dress. I mean, this is at this point, this thing is going like way over the top. Yeah, it's a production uh, number at this it's point. A, it's a huge production number. And as they as she starts singing about uh fireworks uh suddenly in the window the kitchen window behind the broccoli these uh fiber optic fireworks which they had kind of pioneered at epcot that you saw in the mexico pavilion uh today you can still see those and a couple of uh, these fiber optic fireworks go off it's just like it's just one thing on top of another on top of another it's just so cool uh and the lights go down because it's like nighttime you got the fireworks you got this music it was really really good uh, and then, uh, when that number's over, they, she kind of does a wrap up number where she just kind of goes back over and the, each one of the characters kind of reiterate their food group and just kind of like the most important fact that you need to know about it. And then shows over and you're off into the exit room and off to something else. Now, sadly, kitchen cabaret became food rocks. rocks. That should when be food rots. It was horrible it was in the early 90s not not um, good or different or what it well, was so yeah <laughs> as we said the uh this production number was just so fabulous that anything that they would have followed it up with would have true. never never lived up to what kitchen cabaret was it, it would have been exceedingly difficult probably to top this uh and it had a change not just because nestle uh came in as the sponsor versus craft but because by that time the USDA had completely rewritten the educational system about uh, food and it was no longer the four basic food groups, it moved to the food pyramid. Right. So oh, it would have been yes. completely out of whack with what you would yeah. have done a lot to the show. More harm yeah. than good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just basically the data, the science wasn't there anymore to support the show. So they had to change it. Uh, and and it in fact, it'd go back to Rolly Crump again and he got another group of people to work on stuff. 
they felt like they were happy with the show uh, when they put it out. But as you said, Todd, it just there is no comparison. No, uh, no. And and Food Rocks was such an abysmal disaster of I mean, it, it didn't even have funhouse quality animatronics. Some of them were so poor. It was no more than cardboard cutouts painted with plastic moving yeah. and repetitious. It was, it's terrible. So one of the things that they did to save money uh, because they had a limited budget is they, they, they had to keep all of the actions that were previously on the figures and just basically kind of reuse them. So, you know, if the stage went up and down at one, at one point or if, if something turned, it's like that's all it could do. They, they basically didn't do any kind of new animation to match. They had to use all the equipment that was there. Right. Try to save money. And as you said, they didn't do full sculpts nope. of any of the characters. Uh, they did sort of like half sculpts where the backs were flat and then they were kind of like sculpted and, and out from that. You went from Bonnie Appetit to a nutrition label as your host. You went through this 3D figure. <laughs> Yeah. Basically, a piece of fabric with a mouth, <laughs> and, and tone look at that. And tone look, yeah, as, as food wrapper. Yeah, it, it food wrap. Yeah, F U D wrapper. F U D. Yeah, it, it gets no worse than this. Really, good. This and is they, low. They try. I mean, some of the cases that they were able to get uh, Peach Boys original. Like they had the Beach Boys were the Peach, Peach Boys, Boys, and yeah. they did. Uh, they did Peter Gabriel. Peter yeah. Gabriel. Yeah, like that's Neil Musaka. I, you know what they were trying to go for, but they, they it just the execution. Well, really, they were taking you from like seventies variety show, which was Kitchen Cabaret, to right. like VH1. Like, that was <laughs> right. really what they were. You yep. know, they were trying to give you a, a broad, acceptable cross spectrum of popular acts or semi popular acts of the day. Yeah, the, I mean, the feeling was the the forty stuff was too old. It couldn't be. It was no longer relatable. It's like they needed to do something that was current and modern. And then, of course, what happens when you do something current and modern is it actually goes out of date even faster than if you had just done something old. Uh, and to me, one of the ironic things about the show is the the bad guys of the show, the junk food. I think they had the best song out of everybody. Yeah. (laughs) So, so in some ways it's like, I was always really rooting for, for them more so than like the good nutritional stuff. Um, So I don't know if I, if I told you guys or you saw the article a number of years ago, I wrote, but I went up to uh, Storyland in Glen, New Hampshire. Uh, For those of you that don't know, it's a family owned amusement park. It's Storyland's a, you know, it's a, it's a smaller theme park with smaller rides geared for children. But, um, I went up there and they were selling Dole Whip. I was excited, but I also came across this guy's. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this link. This is Kitchen Cabaret in a nightmare, uh, reincarnated in basically a a trailer that they could drag through the theme park. Um, <laughs> but the uncanny resemblance to some of the characters uh, is is unbelievable. And not only Kitchen Cabaret, but the chicken looked like from the Muppets, and the cow looks like it's from Sesame Street. But but the bananas, the corn. I mean. You tell me, rip off or what? Broccoli huh. is the biggest rip off I've ever seen. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Oh yeah. The broccoli looks like the great kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dum dum. <laughs> we'll post a link to this article that we that I could take. So one of the things that I probably should mention is the uh so so this was considered like probably the most because it was the most Disney thing like at Epcot, 
as far as it wasn't stuffy and educational, like it was really fun. It's like there was a ton of merchandise that was made for oh, this. Oh, that's right. Remember the, the the shop after was fantastic. Right. Broccoli and Company, the store like right outside. Yep. So yeah, you could get stuffed versions of Mr. Broccoli and the tomato and the eggplant. Wait. Which go for a premium on eBay mm. these days, like fifty dollars a piece in in new condition. Sometimes even more than that. It's amazing. They had placemats, uh, cups. There were salt and pe- uh, ceramic salt and pepper shakers of the Cereal Sisters. Um, there was a ceramic uh, creamer shaped yep. like Dairy Goods cookie jar. There was a yeah. oh cookie jar plush Mister Tomato. I see. You could also buy things that weren't associated with the attraction. I remember they had seedlings. You could buy small trees, see, uh, giant sequoia seeds. Everything was related to the land um, and listen to the land and growing things. I remember all sorts of like, giant tomato seeds or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But like I've, I've had a couple of placemats and some of the dish towels and things over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was really very appealing characters. Great show. Uh, sad to see it go. And, and today, as we talked about at the top, uh, it's all of this has been replaced by Soren. Uh, but there is still part of the stage uh, that lives behind uh, one of the walls because the way that that the stuff got configured, uh, they just kind of walled up where they could. And as as is the standard practice now, if uh, if it doesn't need to be removed, it's not removed. So part of that food rocks kitchen cabaret stage is still hiding behind a wall. That's right. Uh, at Soren, and I don't know. Maybe they'll have to reconfigure it again now that they're going to three theaters. But uh, it's still. Still there's hanging out there. Yeah, there's a couple pictures out there from it. Just strange that they just wall it off and not use it. There's pictures of the stage being walled off? No, of it walled off. Yeah, you could basically really? animatronics have been ripped out. Um yeah, it's 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 You have to send me a link to one of them pictures. I'd like I, to see that. I will I'll get them up for you. So yeah, definitely really, really interesting. Um and it's it's not from it's from what was left of, of food rocks, but there certainly is um elements and in fact re- the refrigerator how didn't move they just kind of repainted the refrigerator kind of <laughs> yeah, changed they, the, the door and made it look kind of funky yeah they changed the, yeah it was done the the style of the show was done with this weird off perspective stuff uh i mean like purposely it was all just kind of thrown out of perspective kind of like ren and stimpy or something at the time so <laughs> um yeah and the set didn't really to me the set didn't really integrate with the characters they kind of had a little di- the characters were a little bit more appealing but uh, there's not everything really matched so well. So there yeah. you have it, folks. The history of Kitchen Cabaret sorely missed. Um, I remember many times watching that show, and uh, we will take you back, as House said, to the rest of the Land Pavilion in a future episode. We've got uh, uh, Listen to the Land and Symbiosis, as House said. We'll talk about the uh, the food court that used to be there, and um, the fountain, and all the balloons, and all that good stuff. So. Yeah, I Lots recently saw about. I recently saw a picture of the fountain and they had f- like fresh flowers like up at the top of it. Oh, really? And that weird which I had never seen flowers there before. Yeah. I was fascinated by that. All right, well, it's time to move on to our t-shirts and merchandise uh, as always at retrodisneyworld.com forward slash support us. Uh, actually, as Hal said, we've got the, uh, the, the Captain Salty Hinder shirt that is up that you can take a look but we have a new one this month right now this is this is something that i think our true followers have been waiting for i'm mm-hmm. so excited to be able to do this because i know this is something that's drum roll, I think people yeah. have actually asked for this yeah so yeah i think they have asked a couple was, guys finally time to do it so 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 finally we have a a roy's cabin t-shirt 
for you guys to exactly rustic accommodations that's perfectly set up i think this is one that's going to stay there for a while this is kind of our one of our little things. So yeah, this is going to be uh, an evergreen. Exactly. As they say that's set there. So if you'd like to get your own uh, Roy's Cabin T-shirt, sticker, notebook, uh, you know, JT setting up all that merchandise, head over to retrodisneyworld.com forward slash support us, and appreciate you helping us out. Hey Todd, where does, where does that money go when we sell these T-shirts? What do we do with that? Because uh, I'm not getting the cut of this, so I'm just wondering. Oh, you're not getting the cut yet? No, it I'm, is, not, it is, I'm not getting any checks, so I'm wondering where this all goes in to. a, a secret offshore bank, <laughs> and will be res- it is being reserved. On Discovery Island. <laughs> yes, it's, there'll be a treasure map produced someday. Yes. Uh, and that money will be, will be well spent um, uh, when, when, once we host one of our events. So that's the Oh, okay. I didn't know if we were buying films and things with this. or We have used some of it to, to help support some right. of the films. And we're yes, obviously we paying for the, the nuts and bolts of like, keeping the podcast running. Absolutely. Yep. So, it, so it's you're, you're, this is basically how you keep us on the air every month. Let us go out and get new films. And, and as you say, it's like when we, uh, when we go to put on an event, it's like uh, this is the stuff that helps fund that. So Got it. It's, it kitties. actually all goes back to you. That's right. It all comes back to our listeners. So we enjoy doing it, and uh, any support we can get, it's awesome. I'd like some Roy's Cabin, like stationary, you know, like uh, like you stayed like there. Like a pen set. We can yeah, make a pen set. That would be cool. Totally doable. Yeah. that's. that's I, just, I want to rock one of these at Fort Wilderness, though, just because, it, you know, roughly in the area, just well, a photo. It, it's, it was right there on the left as you come off. Yeah, right as you come off the dock. Yeah, it's right there. Boom. It's awesome. <clears throat> All right, so we do have a film. Speaking of how I was talking about the film, we do have a, a one to, to discuss this week. Um, while the guys queue it up, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, as you re- may recall, we had the uh, the Magic of Walt Disney World that we restored, which was a 16 millimeter print. Um, we did receive two other films when we purchased that lot, and uh, we've got one of them transferred and completed. And this one is from 1980. It's called the Magic Kingdom Club 1980 Update. Now, for those of that you don't know what the Magic Kingdom Club, it originally started in 1957 as a way to promote Disneyland. Uh, it was given out um, as, a, as a benefit to corporations and companies in, in the Los Angeles area um, to not only entice visitors, uh, but also to help promote it. And as Walt Disney World came to be, um, it became a little bit less of an exclusive club, but Walt Disney World was added. Uh, you could become a member of the Magic Kingdom Club just by buying, you know, a share of Disney stock. But what did it get you? Um, it included discounts on their tickets, vacation packages. Uh, when the Disney stores came out in the 80s, you could get, I think it was maybe 10% off your purchases. Um, and you could also utilize their services at the, in the early years to help you um, travel to other far-off destinations. Uh, and when it was at its peak, there were over 6 million members. Uh, I remember my grandfather purposely bought one share of stock, um, not only to get the nice stock certificate that you would receive, but also to be entered, you know, to get into the Magic Kingdom Club. Did, did they have a lounge in the in the Magic Kingdom, too? So there was a AAA lounge in, uh, in the Magic Kingdom in hmm. Tomorrowland. 
to the right of the Carousel of Progress. So kind of where Buzz Lightyear takes his pictures now, poses for pictures between Space Ranger Spin and Carousel of Progress. There was a, a what I guess was originally a sponsor's lounge for GE, I'm guessing, when they sponsored Carousel of Progress. But after that, uh, AAA, if you booked your vacation package through them, uh, they had a uh, a lounge there that you could stop in and get a soda or something to drink. But I thought there might have been one for the Magic Kingdom Club, too. But that just might be memories crashing together and that don't actually exist. So if anybody happens to know, yeah, let us please feel free to share with us. Add that in. So we're going to go through this uh, update film uh, and talk a little bit about it. So uh, guys, feel free to start up. Now, this this film here was... Uh, again, it was 16 millimeter. This was a film that uh, would be sent around to different clubs or, or uh, presented in schools or, or probably more uh, adult clubs and things. Um, you could also rent <clears throat> rent the film from them and they'd send it to you for your for, you know, put on your home projector. Um, but it really starts out in the beginning, really promoting Disneyland and, and some great shots of people handing over their Magic Kingdom card um, to, uh, uh, to to a ticket booth. Um this film was also a little bit difficult to restore because, as we've talked about in other uh, podcasts, some parts of the film were filmed in 35 millimeters, some were filmed in 16, and different lighting conditions. It made all the different scenes just completely different colors. Um, and so we've done our best guess at, at where the colors were and, and tried to normalize across the whole film. So, um, But uh, there's, there's a lot of neat, interesting Disneyland shots for those of you who are you know keen on, keen on Disneyland. Everybody is dressed so 1980s as well. Well, yeah, yeah. And all the footage it was for 19, it was promoting 1980s, so all the footage was shot in 79. Yeah, um, and even there's some old footage in here too. That great just, song, it could only happen at Disneyland. That's yeah, right. To be complimented by the one, uh, the magic of Walt Disney World. I just don't understand Mickey's giant like red bow tie thing that he wore back then. <laughs> it is huge. It's like half the width Enormous. of his Oh man, they're rocking out in the Tomorrowland Terrace. And yeah. You know, Pinocchio has a big bow tie too. That was a fashion. It's a very formal time. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bow ties all around. <laughs> and some of these shots, I mean, this is a lot of Disneyland. We talked, well, we talked about these are older, you know, Disneyland shots. We talked in, in previous episodes about how Christmas parade shot. A yeah, lot of the beautiful. shots, a lot of the shots in, in the Magic Kingdom in Florida were just done willy nilly, right? They just yeah. went in here. But a lot of the Disneyland stuff, and especially for this film, you're going to see there. You're looking at them walking in front of the uh, tiny little here at about three minutes. Yeah. Uh, you'll see the benches that are no longer there on the sides. But these can... these shots oh. these shots are set up. You know, there's a lot of shots in this that are set up. That might stilts. be. No. Is that, is that Bill? Who is that guy with the Disneyland? We're in Disneyland. Yeah. So there's some really neat tickets there too with the guy in the plaid. The, those are some pants. Yeah, those are those are hot pants. <laughs> I see Hook and Smee. Oh, look at that umbrella strollers. Remember? Oh yeah, they fold. Now there's a really weird looking Mickey coming up too. Oh. Whoa. Oh, is he not trippy or what? That's, yeah. that's Walt. The band playing at the Tomorrowland Paris is named Pizzazz. There's a yeah, brand Rogers. new Big Thunder Mountain Railroad being featured Whoa. here at about 350. Look at yep. that. That's a sweet side shot where they got that from the cavern. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that is a great shot of it going up. Yeah, inside. this is the wildest ride in the wilderness right here. Yes. <laughs> Hold on to them hats and lashes. <laughs> Very generic balloons in the parade. Oh, boy, they are. And then you could win a trip. Star Jets. That's right. Look at this. The silver anniversary sweepstakes. So this is 1980. $1,955. Yep. Okay. So there are some beautiful shots, obviously, taken from the Skyway. Mm-hmm. 
going over the people mover. Look at look up next to the uh, the and then the the, ship. yeah oh. the skull rock and the pirate ship. Yep, gorgeous shot. Manual with nineteen hundred and fifty five dollars in cash. That extra <laughs> five bucks is going to make the difference. Nineteen fifty five. Let's just page through this magazine because that makes for good page. film. Page through <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some of the overhead shots are great here. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of <clears throat> neat old. Shots are the hotel. Oh my gosh, this overhead shot of uh, of Alice in Wonderland. Yep. Oh, and the, here comes the old Disneyland hotel. Oh, the Howard Johnsons. Yeah, yeah. Howard Johnson's. the good neighbor hotels. Yeah, the inn on the park. Welcome. Yeah, this the, is when Disney would promote the, the good neighbors. <laughs> the portachere of the of the inn on the park looks like the uh, the convention center across the street. And now oh, we move yeah. to Orlando here at uh, about five minutes twenty yeah. seconds. Tell me at this mark at the five twenty, is this not the greatest animation of the Walt Disney World logo you have ever seen? It is. We gotta Whoa. make a get, make a, a gif Whoa. of this. I did. I've got one all ready to roll. I am That's just zoned. future world Todd right there. <laughs> it's like the reason I want to go. Here's mini gingerly <laughs> walking down the steps. It's just she almost tripped. Yeah. See gingerly going? Oh yes, very slow, easy. Playing the great song, "The Magic of Walt Disney World." Now, what's interesting is there's there is some other clips in here that that oh, I'm I think yeah. I've seen on another, you know, uh, other films before because again, this one was set up more to get to really entice you to come, um, you know, or you're already part of us. Look at all this extra fun you can have. Even shots of the electrical parade, which mm-hmm. kind of rare. Close-ups of some faces there. Yeah, again, one of the great things about this, we talk about it all the time, but th- th- there's no actors here. These are just actual guests that they've taken shots of. And- because newness yeah. on the slalom ski. <laughs> <laughs> the stage shot in Tomorrowland there is great. Yeah, look Listen at that the stage. The got the swan boat. The swan boats. Oh, yeah, that's, that is a nice swan They're really shot. good at getting shots with like three things going on. Like you'll see a skier pop- with a monorail yeah, uh, with popcorn. Yeah, with yeah, the grinder. There's the yeah, grinder. This, <laughs> this has got the Jungle Cruise guy in again. It's like, go look at his belt buckle because it's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> you'll notice that the, oh, the ice cream the ice cream the obligatory ice cream. There's the ice cream guy, yeah. And he was there's in, he was in Magical. <laughs> it looked like Haley Mills. Haley, Haley Mills. Now the fake castle shot. Right, which ended the magic of Walt Disney World. So Let's show you the monorail. Front car, the monorail. Magic Kingdom Club passport. Look at those passport tickets, huh? Ooh, it's like flipping through that book. That's a lucky book. Look at that. Let's still get in with those. If you got them. Ford. Highway in the sky, some golf. Some horseback riding. Oh, yeah. Now, it's just in, a, in a little bit, the film's going to depart. Um, I should say. Pioneer Hall. Oh. You really got to listen to the to all of the uh, commentary on it, too. A futuristic contemporary. Yeah. <gasps> Treehouse Village. Treehouse, yeah. yeah. There's Green Todd. Lake Buena Vista yeah. shopping village here. So I was great there. Aerial shots of it. Yeah, and look how small the lake is, too. Wow, uh-huh. it's so blue. <laughs> Hotel Plaza Row, yeah. They actually go in some of the rooms here in Hotel Plaza and then back to the village. <laughs> look at that. Just some great shots downtown. Oh, yeah. yes, there it is. Somebody's Let's carrying pies the out of there. Oh, there's the wine cellar. <laughs> waiting for the pie joke. Ah, oh, Toys Fantastic, yes. Yeah, and the, pie, and, the, and the wine cellar. Man, that, that lounge where they're having those drinks and that peanuts is so 70s. <laughs> That's the golf resort, man. Oh. It's Mickey with his bow tie again. It's, it's huge. There's the there's mariachi, mariachi band welcoming the monorail. You know, when I went through there last week, I looked for them. I didn't see them. They weren't there? 
No. <laughs> must have been their day off. <laughs> That's a Whoa. sweet shot with the sun burning yep. through the monorail. Okay, at 9.01, yeah. they are in a bar. Yeah, what is in, that in temporary. So we have got to figure out whether this is the monorail club bar. Because this this is probably an unprecedented shot right here. It's like really? Like Aquino Cove, right? I don't think any... this. I mean, we have to try to figure out what this is because... Uh, no one has taken a picture of that. There is no picture of that place anywhere. <laughs> Ever. Ever, yeah. No cameras, folks. Sorry. Leave them oh, at the door. Wilderness Railroad. Oh, it's nice. Oh, there's the big uh, cut sign. Here's a change of pace. Yeah, so if those of you who are watching and listening to us at the same time, possibly, that, that, that you notice the video really does jump around, or the film really jumps around quite a bit. Oh. Um, but they're, at this point in the narration, they're telling you about all the still the exciting things that you can do. So you think he could go to Walt Disney World for like two or three days, maybe? <laughs> Based on <laughs> this? <laughs> on a whole vacation? On... Really? Well, if you run out of things to do, they now promote Cypress Gardens here and, and some of the there's, other things you can do. That's more Fort Wilderness. Oh my gosh. Okay, there's a ton of great River Country footage. Yeah. With the... From the top, more golfing. <laughs> How to inappropriately, inappropriately touch a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn this way, sir. Right there, been there. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I would love access to the raw footage from these shoots because uh, there's some great like aerial shots of downtown Disney and Oh yeah, you know right. they film for like we a just straight get a hour. Little, I mean look at that oh, the tower and, and, and looking down Main Street. This pool Oh uh, gosh, the captain's tower. Oh yep. and I think I think coming up how is it's it looks like the I believe it's the Polynesian pool. So you could actually see there how they had the entertainment stage at the captain's tower yep. because yep. of the, the terraces there. Oh. Actually that's River Country, sorry, not Polynesian. Yeah, River. So now they start to go off to other ports of call. Yeah, they're telling you about it's basically it's a travel club, it's, you know. You know that you could, we could take you to these far off places, the Orient. <laughs> Yeah, and then they show you clips of of the oh, yeah the Lua. Lua, yeah. but then they come right to London. <laughs> Where is that after London? Yeah, looks well, like you it's from Thunder wherever right that is. I don't want to go there. And I, I'm not Bill Coach sure again. Still shots are, but you've got scuba diving and still shots of. Uh, now you're back to Pants McGee buying his tickets. <laughs> Pants, he ran Mr. out. McFarkle. He might know the McFarkles. He ran out. He had to get more. <laughs> Too much to do. So many adventures. Oh, okay. At eleven twenty-six, there is some crazy kind of golf cart thing. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a offsite thing. You know, what they're promoting your. They have got the Magic Kingdom Club uh, canvas bags, though, with the the logo with the uh, balloon on it. There. Yeah. And then they have slides of the reservation center. The, <laughs> and the film's for rental. Oh, that's right. You would, with your Magic Kingdom Club, you'd also get a subscription to the yeah. Disney News. Yep. They, that's they, right. But uh, the Magic Kingdom Club is also how someone got a hold of this film and never returned it. Yep. So yeah. we got to see it. <sighs> this is, uh, there's the computer. This database. computer reservation center is fantastic. Actually, that is, uh, I don't, yeah, that was probably down in, uh, down in Tampa, might have been. They do zoom in on the screen here. What's it say? Uh, Somebody's reservation. July 6, 1979 at the Dutch Inn. <laughs> is that what Stephanie, it, it literally said somebody's named. Wow. It's like well, personal. <laughs> Stephanie somebody here. people couldn't stop and look at it. It was being Stephanie Parker. So fast. Oh, 
No There's availability starting on Friday, July 6th, 1979. Yeah, we'll well, let's book it now, guys. Let's let's find her. And then they I think have it's Steven. Kids. I think it's no, Steven. Now it's getting spelled. creepy, guys. Now we're it's Mr. Steven Parker. All right, Steven Podcast at RetroDisneyWorld.com. <laughs> Tell us about your stay. That's right. It was thirty-two dollars a night. <laughs> wow. So and thus ends another film, The Magic Kingdom Club. Now, I don't know, but I have heard that this film was actually first screened at Roy's Cabin. Oh, it's entirely pop. I'm sure they had a serious. Come on, Royce Cavan had been torn down by this point. A glorious green carpet, yeah, burned down to the ground. (laughs) What is this store that they're in? I don't know. It looks newer though. It's really, huh? Is that is that the toy store in? It's it's, it is not. No, it's it's not. It's it's all It's a great great film. It's that's a hotel gift shop, I think. Yeah, my pay. That's true. Makes me want to go to Disneyland in 1980 as yeah, as well as Disney World in 1980. Go back there and see it all. So, all right. Well, it is time to close it out for this month. Uh, appreciate everybody listening, and uh, let's say check in with our sponsors, and then uh, talk a little bit about what's coming up in the future. So, thank you to Ticket Mama for all your Orlando area ticket needs. Visit TicketMama.com for less than gate prices. And Rental Car Mama. When renting Orlando, visit Rental Car Mama for discounts and Advantage Rental Car and other firms. And by OrlandoVacation.com. Vacation homes and discounts for the savvy Florida traveler. And we also like to thank uh, WWMap.com and Chris Buckholz for their continued support of the Retro Disney World podcast. And if you're interested in sponsoring us, please email us at info at RetroDisneyWorld.com. All right. And as always, thanks to our listeners. Keep the emails and phone calls coming. We'd love hearing from you guys. Uh, if you can give us a review on iTunes, if possible, that would be great. Let your friends and family know about us. Um, guys, we got an exciting couple episodes coming up. We've got some great interviews uh, next month. Uh, I know, um, Brian, you've got somebody booked. We've got, uh, we hinted at it earlier. We're not going to mention it again, but March episode is going to uh, unveil some secrets of things that uh, people may not have ever heard before and some special yep. stories. Yeah, the next two months we have uh, people oh. from... Uh, the history of Walt Disney World to come on as guests in consecutive months have a lot of insight into a lot of stories you will not have heard before. That's right. And we've got some uh, additional books to give away as well that are going to be coming your way. So they are booked and ready. So we will be back with you in February. So, all right, everybody. Well, with that, thank you very much. And uh, Brian, take us out. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro Disney World on Twitter and Instagram at RetroWDW on Facebook at Retro Disney World. And for all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroDisneyWorld.com. On Twitter, follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, at GoAwayGreen. For J.T. Couser, at Hoagie's Garage. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, at Brian P. Miles.
it's not hard to imagine that we'll always be in fashion. Hey, good people, have you heard? Breads and cereals are the word. Tell your friends we have arrived. This group is hip to the dark. Just remember when each meal means such a tasty deal. Say goodbye to his bad jokes. Cause we're going up in smoke, folks. <laughs> Don't forget Veggie fruit fruits are a good bet You'll enjoy us at each meal Because we have a peel heard by friends They won't lead you astray When you balance up their ads Mealtime blues will go away Keep your fit and fit and fine Eating right's a healthy sign And fear 